0: Hello once again, everybody, and thank you for joining me here on this Monday, February 22nd edition of ATS Radio. I'm your host, Adam Burke. I'll be joined today by professional better and handicapper Kyle Hunter from huntersportspicks.com for our Handicapping the Hardwoods segment. We've got two conference tournaments to talk about today and all of our usual stuff as well with regression candidates, fade follow teams, a lot of stuff that we're going to try to cram into a short amount of time here on today's show, so we're very much looking forward to that. Speaking of things that I'm looking forward to on Thursday, the 2021 MLB betting guide will come out over at ATS.io. You can follow me on Twitter at Skating Tripods. I'll tweet about a lot of different things with regards to that guide. It'll be in PDF form. It'll be in individual page form. And depending on how quickly I get the editing process done, I'll try to put together something that's a little bit more interactive, kind of like a flip book sort of thing again we'll see if that happens it's a busy time of the year here with conference tournaments with that writing and editing process for the guide so in any event no matter what the guide will come out on Thursday in some form it just may not be sexy and flashy not a whole lot of bells and whistles but great information to get you ready for the 2021 MLB season coming off of what I think a lot of people will say is a very hard to gauge 2020 campaign so There's fantasy baseball impact in there and obviously lots of betting stuff in that MLB betting guide as well. Make sure you download the ATS app from the Google Play Store or the Apple Store. Full article integration for that. That will include the individual pages, the website pages for the betting guide, not to mention all the great stuff being written by our talented cast of writers over at the website. So download that from the Google Play Store or the Apple Store, the ATS app or search against the spread to help find that with that we bring on today's guest that is professional better and handicapper kyle hunter from huntersportspicks.com and kyle how's it going today man
1: going well man um had a lot better last week of of plays so that's nice uh coming off some more fortunate results here the last couple days in college basketball i feel like i was due those and uh you know it's nice to be coming off a good weekend i want to say too that I'm looking forward to seeing that MLB betting guide that you're putting together. I always get a lot of great information out of that. So all the listeners, if you haven't already checked that out in past seasons, it's a a treasure trove of information. You definitely have to check that out.
0: Thank you so much. Your check is in the mail. I appreciate it. I appreciate that topic today's show. Uh, But yeah, no, I'm I'm definitely looking forward to it as well. And I'm glad to hear that uh, we've been talking about you as a positive regression candidate here on the show. and, And I'm glad to hear that that's kind of been coming to fruition One other thing I should mention real quickly here, Uh, I guess co-hosted the BetQL Daily show here on Monday. So that's plastered all over my Twitter as well, all over BetQL's Twitter. So you can check that out. Uh, If you don't get enough of me here on our hour-long show, you can get three hours of me on that BetQL Daily show that I guest hosted today. A whole lot of fun with that. Joe Ostrowski does a great job with that show. Eli Hershkowitz does a great job with college basketball and with Uh, you know, just kind of keeping up with all of the content there on the radio side. So I'd encourage you to check that out as well. All right, man, Um, we got a lot of stuff to get to here on today's show, to say the least. And, you know, conference tournaments actually begin this week. The Horizon League on Thursday, the America East Conference on Saturday. We'll talk about those. But real quickly, before we dig into some specifics, you and I talked about this a little bit last week, that coming up here on Thursday, or Friday, excuse me, the 26th, Teams have to tell the NCAA what they're doing, tell their conference members what they're doing, about if they're having a tournament, what the format will be, how the auto bid will go, and then, of course, seeding. You know, who will actually be eligible for the tournament? And I thought something pretty interesting that I saw was that in the West Coast Conference, where teams have played a variety of numbers of games with COVID and, you know, depending on the local restrictions and all of that, the West Coast Conference will be seeding according to Ken Palm rankings, which I think is quite interesting. There's been a little bit of talk about Gonzaga and or BYU opting out because they're already in the NCAA tournament field. But, you know, again, a a lot of moving parts here and a lot of news coming across the wire this week, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, there's going to be a lot of uh, things going on that it's kind of hard to predict. So we'll have to see as it comes. But it wouldn't surprise me if some of those teams uh, do want to opt out because they're in the field, you know, why would you take that chance? You know, this is the best chance anybody would have to say, you know, let's just uh, shut it down and get ready for the, the big dance because, you know, they don't have too much to gain from, from a tournament like that. And they have quite a bit to lose. So, you know, why, why do you take that extra chance? You can't really blame them for that. I think there will be some teams that do that. There may even be some conferences who just say, you know, regular season winner is going to, to get it. There'll be some teams that opt out and that'll allow some of the teams in that wouldn't have made it into the eight team tournament or whatever it would have been. So, you know, it's very much pending. We'll see as we go here. Um, even the re- end of the regular season has been a little, a little bit funny here with, I know Colorado state was kind of debating on whether they could uh, come back from their break and, and play against easier teams. Like they wanted to play against new Mexico instead of someone else, you know, cause they want to get some wins, which I mean, it's kind of funny just hearing teams say, you know, I, I want to come back from this and I don't want to play you. I'm going to play against you instead. So, you know, they want to prop up their record a little bit. Uh, you know, we may see some of that going on too. Some of the conferences saying, Hey, we want our teams to get in. So here's who's going to play against somebody, somebody else. And um, you know, we'll see what it means as far as betting. You know, I hope that we have a decent amount of odds to talk about when we talk about these, because it's fun to break down the the bracket. And uh, you know, right now I feel like the bracket could be changing even throughout the week. Right. So we may talk about something and it may change a bit. So uh, obviously listeners understand that this is subject to change.
0: Well, and of course too, you know, you think about it and you think about how long these COVID pauses have to be based on, protocols set by the conference or, you know, maybe even state or local governing bodies setting how long these COVID pauses need to be. And, you know, we're going to get to a point here where, you know, you're under two weeks away from the NCAA tournament. So if you're in a conference that forces you to go two weeks or more with a COVID pause, you don't want to go to that conference tournament. If you don't have to, you'd rather bubble your players kind of keep them right there on campus, all of that, then head to Indianapolis. So, That's another consideration here as well, is that, you know, some of these teams just aren't going to want to risk the travel, let alone, you know, risk dropping seed lines or something like that. So a lot of moving parts to say the least, a lot of things for us to keep in mind here as actually, as I'm looking here, we have three conference tournaments starting this week. So we'll begin with the first one here and we don't have odds for any of these, which is a bummer because you and I love to break these things down, but the horizon league conference tournament starts on Thursday. So you got games at campus sites coming up on Thursday night: Detroit Mercy against Robert Morris, Youngstown State and Illinois Chicago, Green Bay, Fort Wayne, Milwaukee, and IUPUI. This is a conference tournament that reseeds. So if there is an upset in the first round, and there very well could be, the lowest seeded team would face number one seed Cleveland State. The second lowest seeded team would face number two seed Wright State, so on and so forth. So. I guess the, the primary question to talk about here, Kyle, is: Do any of when futures odds are posted, do any of these eight teams in action on Thursday interest you, or not really?
1: You know, it's hard here because um, Wright State's the best team in this conference; they're the number two seed. Obviously, they'll be favored, uh, so I want to stay away from Wright State. So I want to look at the top of the bracket. Um, Detroit. Detroit's a jump shooting team. They have been playing really well here lately, and I will say the positive for them. Uh, they play against Robert Morris in that first game. Robert Morris has been without A.J. Brahma here for the last several games. I don't know for sure if he's going to play in this first game. If he doesn't play, um, Detroit would be a good look to win that. Um, A.J. Brahma is certainly uh, Robert Morris's best player, and he hasn't played for a while, so – uh, that that could help them. Um, the other teams up there, Youngstown State, I think Youngstown State, probably my second favorite of the teams that are playing there on Thursday night. Youngstown State has a high upside when they have Quisenberry playing. He missed quite a bit of the season. Thing is, I think Northern Kentucky is a, a viable team there in the four seed. So, um, you know, Detroit or Youngstown State would be my look. And I'd be trying to look for somebody in the top half of the bracket to take a money line rollover on probably going to get a better money line rollover price than you would get a futures price on one of these long shots. And, you know, as far as winning the conference tournament, if the price was good enough, I would consider Wright state here because I actually do kind of like their setup here because they play uh, Milwaukee or IUPUI. Then they would probably play Oakland or green Bay. I think Wright state has a a pretty decent route here and um, you know, they wouldn't be playing that far away from home either. So I think Wright state Uh, the spot where Wright State is a team that has the highest upside here they've been a bit inconsistent in these back-to-backs but you know they've spaced out this tournament a lot to where they're only going to play one back-to-back and that would be Monday March 8th and then Tuesday March 9th so I don't really know the point of spacing him out this much but I guess several tournaments decided to do that.
0: Yeah, I don't really get it either. You know, you're playing Thursday night on the campus sites, then Tuesday, and then Monday and Tuesday, March 8th and 9th, as you said, in Indianapolis. So neutral site for Monday and Tuesday for the semifinals and the finals, but prior to that, on the campus sites for the first two rounds. Yeah, I think Cleveland State is a little bit of a vulnerable number one seed. When you look at a site like Torvik, for example, Wright State, easily the top team in this conference. Detroit, at least according to Torvik, the second best team in this oh, yeah. conference. So we'll see how things kind of set up here. And again, as we said, it recedes. So it is a little bit difficult for us to, you know, take kind of an overall picture here at this tournament and in particular, over with the fact that we just, we don't have odds on it. So that makes it a little bit more challenging as well. But one thing that you did mention, and I want to highlight this real quickly, and we will elaborate on this when we have odds, is that a lot of people will look at these futures prices and get excited about some of them but more often than not, a money line rollover is a much better idea. So what a money line rollover basically is, is let's say that you start with $100 in the first game, and that team wins as a plus you know plus 120 underdog, something like that. So you roll that over and you bet 220 on their next game to win whatever that price winds up being. You just keep rolling it over, letting it ride. You don't have to let the whole thing ride. You can kind of partial hedge, take some money out of it, something like that, but more often than not, Kyle, these Moneyline rollovers are far more lucrative than taking that, you know, fixed odds futures price.
1: Yeah. And I want to, I want to see if you agree on this, but I think the Moneyline rollover is especially better on a long shot, you know, because a favorite sometimes, you know, do you really want to do a Moneyline rollover with a team that, you know, started with a price of, you know, minus 300 or something like that, because that that's a bit hard to do. And the futures price, Uh, people want to take the underdogs. We know that. So if if you see a plus 500, and it looks really good to you, but then you start thinking, you know, I might get plus 800 if I just roll these over. Um, like Adam said, it's it's also easier because if you want to stop betting it, you just stop betting. You don't have to hedge or you can partially hedge out by only betting some of what you won the game before. So especially when you're looking at long shots. Now, if you get a team like a right state, I don't know that they would be best on a Moneyline rollover because they're going to be favored here. So any of the other underdogs, I think Moneyline roller would be the best situation to use and uh, we'll see what they do with the odds this year. I'm, I'm hoping that we have uh, plenty to talk about, but yeah, remember the money line rollover idea, because I'd say, you know, at least 80% of the time, it's going to be better.
0: And I assure you, we will talk about some of these money line rollovers with some actual odds. At least I would presume on next Monday's show two other conference tournaments start this week, both in very small conferences, the America East and the big South. So we take a look at the America East here and this is something that we kind of talked about on last week's show about teams not having any games scheduled. So Hartford and Binghamton, Albany, NJIT, UMass Lowell and Stony Brook play on Saturday and they will play games in Hartford for the top of the bracket and then in New Hampshire for the bottom of the bracket. So they'll play a back-to-back Saturday and then Sunday. The winners will advance to Sunday in the top part of the bracket. The winner from Saturday will take on New Hampshire. Then... This conference will not pick up its tournament until March 6th when UMBC hosts the lowest seed and Vermont hosts the highest remaining seed. And then the championship game is a full week later. So I don't know why they're drawing this thing out over two weeks, but that's what they've decided to do here in the America East to the point where UMBC and Vermont won't have played for two weeks by the time they actually play their semifinal game.
1: Uh, This doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, honestly, that's a disadvantage for them in some ways, obviously they get the double buy, but it's almost like you've been on a pause again. And a lot of these teams have already had to take a break. Now, obviously if they're still getting to practice that, that helps them, but uh, I don't know why they would want to do that. It would make a lot of sense to not have such a long break in between. As I look at this conference um, I think Vermont's the best team here. UMBC gets the number one seed. They split those games at the end of the season, you know, Vermont is the team I want to stay away from in the bottom of the bracket, kind of like we said about right State. So I'm trying to look at the top of the bracket and decide who I want to take. Um, probably Albany would be my look here in this one. I don't trust any of these teams very much, to be honest with you. And, I mean, if you, I think if you said to you and I, myself and Adam, um, if anybody else is going to win this conference tournament, I'd be stunned if it'd be somebody other than Vermont or UMBC. So it's kind of hard in this one. Um, I want to give somebody, you know, something to bet here in this one, but I, I'm guessing I won't bet anything in this. So Albany, maybe a slight look. You could argue Hartford as well. Um, I don't know, Adam, do you have any team that you think has a good good bracket here?
0: Not really. No, I mean, I you know, I, I look at a team like Hartford, and, and the problem with a team like Hartford, and this will be a problem with a lot of teams as we go forward here, they shoot a three over 43% of the time. They're 45th in the nation at three-point rate. So fortunately for them, they got the four seed. They get to play at home in those first and quarterfinal round games. But one bad shooting performance and you are done. So for a team like Hartford, where they do take a lot of threes and they're shooting below 32% on them, it is very hard to take a team like that in a conference tournament format, expecting them to shoot well multiple days in a row. And, you know, you look at their their results and they have not done that. So in that respect, maybe I look at a team like Albany, something like that, but UMBC and Vermont are probably on a crash course. And maybe you get a slightly depressed Vermont price because they'll be on the road in that championship game if they play UMBC. But that's one where I'm guessing when the line comes out, or when the odds come out for this tournament, you could probably just take the Vermont money line in the championship game, and it won't be that far off of their futures price.
1: agree. I agree. I mean, it's it's not going to be any great value to bet them on the futures price because UNBC uh, and Vermont are going to be such big favorites. And I don't know, what would we assume that they're about co-favorites? I mean, because UNBC would be a dog to Vermont, but they're going to be at home. So I think, uh, you know, maybe Vermont is is just a bit of a favorite over UMBC in the futures prices, but I assume it'd be pretty similar. Um, the other thing I want to say real quick about Albany, Albany was picked by most to be the third best team in this conference. I know you could say, well, why do you want to go back and see what somebody said in the preseason? It's because I think their upside is a bit higher than some of the other teams here. So you know if you go back and look at Albany had a bit of a disappointing season, but they had some really long COVID pauses. If you think Albany is going to be at full strength, I think you could make an argument for Albany being a money line rollover candidate. And if they win those first couple games, then you could keep part of your profit, and not bet everything on that game against UMBC.
0: So as you said, Vermont and UMBC split the the two regular season meetings in Baltimore County. And when we look at the money line price for Vermont there, they were minus one hundred and eighty. They were a four point favorite, three and a half, four point favorite in that game. So I'm guessing Vermont. Minus -150ish minus -160ish something like that for this conference tournament maybe a little lower
1: for the whole for the whole tournament you mean
0: yeah i mean well they're not going to
1: lose That's, that semifinal game right like, I, I don't do you know if it'll i feel like that might be a bit high i'm I, I don't know i mean you know i, I don't follow yeah, minus 125, 130, it'd be in the range I would be thinking. If they are that, you could make an argument it might be better to take them on that price than it would in the final game. However, because UMBC won one of those first two games, are they going to be what they were in that game before? I don't know. I mean, um, I, think, I think minus 150 or 60 is a little bit too high. So I think Vermont will be lower than that, but I think Vermont is the team most likely to win this conference tournament. I don't see huge value here. No, I don't either.
0: All right, so we move on from that one here, and, and we'll talk about the Big South Conference, which is kind of interesting because their conference tournament set the start on Saturday, and this will go Saturday, Monday, Thursday, and then Sunday, March 7th, will be the finals, all of these games on campus sites. So their conference tournament starts on Saturday. They finish the regular season here on Wednesday. So a very quick turnaround for the teams that have to play on Wednesday, Hampton, Longwood, High Point, Campbell, South Carolina upstate and Charleston Southern. But when we actually get odds for this thing, it's going to be Winthrop as the odds on minus price favorite.
1: Yeah. Winthrop has to be a massive favorite in in this tournament. They are far better than anyone else here. Radford looked like the clear second best team. And then they have really played poorly at the end of the season. They lost two home games in a row to Gardner Webb, So You know, as far as the team that we don't even have a bracket to look at, so it's kind of hard to to say a team that I would like too much. But uh, I will point out that you know a team that has done pretty well against the better teams in this league is UNC Asheville, and I think their upside is a bit higher than some of the other teams here. So Asheville, if they fall in the right spot on the bracket here is a chance for an underdog that could make a run. They won at Gardner-Webb. They won at Winthrop by two points. I know that was a bit of a fluke win, I guess you could say, based on the finish. But still, just to even be in that game was impressive. So uh, to me, I think UNC Asheville, a team that that certainly has a chance here. Now, they've been on a break here for quite a while, so you could argue that it would be dangerous to take them as well. But, you know, this is uh, – 2021 the 2020 21 season and uh, things are going to be pretty weird here so um, I think that Winthrop will win this conference tournament it would surprise me a lot if somebody else wins it but you and I don't like taking you know minus 200 or something on a futures price so um, I try to find some value and probably money line roll over it and then just stop
0: yeah and this would be one too where I'm staying away from the top half of the bracket I that's am not playing anybody that's going to run into Winthrop before the championship game So if you want to play a future here, find a moneyline rollover, something like that, I would highly recommend that you find it from the bottom of the bracket once this thing is filled in. And yeah, we don't have the the bracket here, we don't have the teams, but you'll hear us talk about these general conference tournament thoughts throughout the next several shows that we do because these are good ways to make money. You know, these are uh, we love conference tournaments. I and I even mentioned this on the BetQL spot today. I like the conference tournament weeks from a betting standpoint a lot more than I like the first two days of the NCAA tournament because I think there are a lot more opportunities that are bred from the conference tournaments because of this format, because you've got data points of these teams having played each other before, so you can get a a better idea of what's actually going to happen instead of these non-conference games that we're going to get in Indianapolis where there are some teams that didn't play a single non-conference
1: game. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that um, for, as a fan, I can't I can't take anything over March Madness because I love it that much. But from a betting standpoint, I agree with you. I think that these uh, conference tournaments can have great value. And you can find some teams uh, who have proven themselves in road or neutral spots versus the teams who have only been really good at home. You know, uh, that can be pretty important to handicap and things like this, too. So uh, a lot of the things that we're talking about today, even though we don't have odds are things that you can file away, can help you make some money here this conference tournament season.
0: One other thing I want to talk about real briefly here, with it, it sort of related to conference tournaments in the sense that you have some teams that are ineligible for them. Cal Baptist, not eligible for the WAC tournament, although I think they're going to be allowed to play in it. I could be wrong, but they're not eligible to actually win it. So that's kind of an interesting little wrinkle there. Stephen F. Austin, they, they asked for and got acceptance for a postseason ban this year, so Stephen F. Austin will not be in the Southland Conference tournament, which they were probably going to win. Two teams ineligible for the SWAC Conference tournament: Alabama A&M and Alabama State because of APR postseason bans. So you have some teams here. Actually, looks like they're going to play the tournament. Either way, there will be some teams here that either don't qualify for their conference tournament, or you know can't win it, or something like that. You can find some opportunities fading these teams late in the regular season because, you know, they really don't have much else to play for going forward.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, just kind of thinking aloud, I mean, what kind of sense does it make to not be eligible to win the conference tournament, but yet you can play in the conference tournament? Right, yeah. I mean, why would you care? I mean, it doesn't, I mean, I think they'd be a good bet against in a spot like that, because I mean, you go win the tournament, you don't get put in the big dance anyway. So what's the point? You know, I mean, I guess you could say it's kind of a middle finger to the rest of the conference and you say, Hey, we were the best, but that type of thing usually doesn't uh, matter as much as actually wanting to get there. So uh, we're going to have some weird spots here and we'll have to follow up on this in the future weeks, because I think there'll be some teams that'll be far more motivated than others.
0: And especially too, you know, if we find teams that are opting out of the conference tournament or something like that, I mean, you know, do the kids rally in their remaining regular season games? I don't know. I I wouldn't think so. Not with all the protocols and the strictness and all of that. So, you know, keep an eye out on the news. I mean, it's always important to follow the news, especially, you know, with guys being in and out of the lineup and all of that. But, you know, we're going to have some announcements here that probably will have some actionable betting information attached to them. So keep an eye out for that here. And again, when we reconvene next Monday, hopefully we've got some odds for these conference tournaments. We can take some extended looks at some of the things going on in some of these leagues here. All right, so with that, let's get into our usual format here for the show. And uh, we'll start on the injury front, where you've got uh, a few injuries here that are of, of note.
1: Yeah, I'm going to kind of take these rapid fire. Um, there's one that was just added here a few minutes ago that I want to say. VCU's Nishon Highland, clearly their best player, out for Tuesday's game against St. Louis. Really big loss there. So before you bet that St. Louis uh, VCU game, make sure you know about that. St. Louis isn't exactly a team that's been playing all that great of late either, though. So, you know, I'm not necessarily saying I blindly take St. Louis, but VCU will be shorthanded badly there. As far as the others... Cal State Bakersfield, Sean Stith, a 6'8 center, knee injury this past weekend. The Roadrunners are not deep in the front court. He was a really good offensive rebounder, also a good passer from the front court. Bakersfield's a unique matchup, and they've done pretty well uh, in their first uh, year in that conference. But um, Taze Moore missed some of last weekend's games as well with an illness. And then Sean Stith out right now. They're certainly shorthanded and a team that I'd be careful betting on. I wanted to mention South Carolina's Jermaine Kuznard out with an injury. And then Justin Minaya is coming back from a concussion and played just a little bit in their last game. South Carolina has been pretty shorthanded here of late. um, So that's one to keep an eye on as well. And then finally, Drake, Roman Penn was injured on Sunday, non-contact injury there might've, I don't know if there's been an update yet. I know there was supposed to be an update here later this afternoon. He's out for um, the year. Broken. He's out for the year. Wow. That that really hurts Drake because Hempel's already out. Uh, really they can't afford to be without Roman Penn. And I know somebody's going to say, I, I imagine somebody listening is going to say, look, you know, Roman Penn's backup came in and just lit it up in his first game. Yeah. But that was one game. Roman Penn's been really good. And the coaching staff there, is a very good coaching staff. You have to assume that the fact that Penn was playing all the time and the backup wasn't playing much at all, he's not nearly as good as Roman Penn. So I, I'd be careful taking too much from that one game. The
0: Bakersfield one, I think, really stands out to me because you know that is a team, and, and we talked about this with regards to Bakersfield joining this conference well before the regular season started, that one of their massive advantages in this league, because this isn't a very good league on the glass, at least not in the offensive glass, that was going to be one of their big advantages and in fact they are third in the nation in offensive rebounding percentage and now they lose one of their big men one of their top offensive rebounders so this was not an efficient offense to begin with now you take away some of those easy putbacks extra possessions stuff like that uh bakersfield definitely a fade team as far as i'm concerned here And they got a couple of games left i believe here against northridge on friday and saturday and then the big west conference tournament but do uh, you think it's significant enough to maybe fade the road runners on Friday and Saturday?
1: Um, maybe unders too. There I mean, you because uh, they're they're very inefficient on offense to start with, and they play so slow. I would imagine they'd stall even more than they normally do. So I'd be looking to bet an under. Um, I I hate to bet against them. Against did you say they play Northridge next? Northridge, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't trust Northridge very much at all. So I kind of hate to bet against them in that one. But maybe in the uh, conference tournament, there'd be spots to bet against them. I think Bakersfield is a really well coached team, better coach than most of the teams in the Big West. So um, you know, Bakersfield would be laying points against Northridge. So you could argue, I, I mean, Ken Palm has it at 10. I, I can't imagine they'd be favored by 10 if the oddsmakers know about the injuries they have. So if they're favored by 10, maybe you take Northridge. But I think I like the under as well you know you see a line of 140 or something like that gonna be hard for them to get to that without um, key pieces there big pace war in that one too
0: absolutely so that, that'll, that'll definitely be interesting to see what kind of plays out with that one and something for our listeners to keep in mind here as we inch closer to the weekend with those games coming up on Friday and Saturday let's stay out west for some regression teams here I'll start with one that I think is a positive regression candidate and that's San Francisco San Francisco plays BYU on Thursday this week, Pacific on Saturday. 24.7% over the last three games from three for San Francisco. And San Francisco, a very analytics-minded team. They shoot a ton of threes. So if they're not going to make them, that's going to be a big problem. But they were on a COVID pause. So I've got to think now, getting a few days of practice in, getting some shots up, all of that, should be pretty beneficial for them BYU, obviously a tough game coming up here on Thursday. But when I look at those three games that they lost, they took 97 threes. Their three opponents, Pepperdine, Gonzaga, and Loyola Marymount took 44 threes. San Francisco, 24 of 97. Their opposition, 23 of 44. So they took more than double the threes and only made one more than their opponents. I've got to think there's some positive regression to the mean coming there.
1: I agree. I like this one. Um, uh, San Francisco is still a well-coached team. They have enough talent to, to give people trouble. They're going to be catching double digits there against BYU. And if you remember from the first game, San Francisco was ahead. Most of that game had a bad last 10 minutes or so. BYU takes the lead and goes ahead and wins by nine at San Francisco. BYU had 18 free throws in that game. San Francisco had three. So uh, that was an interesting game to say the least. I think, um, BYU is a team that I don't know if I'm excited to lay a lot of points with BYU either. And they, they play St. Mary's the game after that, which is also a big game for them. So um, plus 11 plus 11 and a half, something like that on San Francisco, probably a good look in that one. And then uh, playing Pacific the game after that Pacific's been pretty good at home, but San Francisco certainly has better talent than does Pacific. So I agree with you. I think that you would think uh, regression is coming as far as shooting percentages. And like you said, that's really important since they take so many of them.
0: Yeah, so San Francisco Thursday against BYU, maybe a look there, and then also Saturday against Pacific. What are you looking for in terms of positive regression? And and you're also looking on the offensive side with this team too.
1: Yeah, Siena's offense, you know, Siena was the favorite in the MAAC They're shooting 51.6% on close twos, according to Torvik. The Saints have had more than their fair share of pauses and injuries this year. I think this team still has good upside. They were 87th in offensive efficiency last year. They're 181st this year. So Sienna has really struggled on offense. Uh, With Pickett, they have the best player in that conference. Uh, Sienna's a team that I think has a higher upside than what people realize right now. So. I think um, they're due for some positive regression, and I would say they're kind of a bit of a buy low as well. So I like Siena here the rest of the way.
0: That'll be an interesting conference tournament to talk about. You know, Iona wasn't playing particularly well prior to the COVID pause, and then now all of a sudden, you know, they look really good specifically on offense. Monmouth pushes the tempo. Uh, You got St. Peter's, a team you and I have mentioned twice that we've been looking for some positive regression from throughout the year. That'd be an interesting one and we'll see uh what sienna's number looks like once that conference tournament rolls around a negative regression candidate for me here wow, this one's pretty far under the radar actually from the big sky conference southern utah so southern utah the thunderbirds they've played 13 of their 18 games at home so far this season three of their last four will be on the road they play northern arizona on wednesday and friday the second game is on the road Then they play a couple of games at Portland State. They're 11th in the conference in three-point percentage, but second in three-point rate. So they take a ton of threes. They don't shoot them particularly well, and they've played 13 of their 18 games at home. So I've got to think when they go on the road, they're going to struggle offensively. So whether that's fading the Thunderbirds or betting some unders in those road games at Northern Arizona and Portland State, that one's very much on my radar here.
1: Love this one. In fact, this was going to be one of my follow teams. And since you talked about it, it, or the fade teams. So since we talked about it already, I didn't want to talk about it in the follow fade because, you know, we're talking about them already, but we think alike on this. And that's why it is kind of hard for me to find ones where we disagree. I think Southern Utah has been very fortunate this year and they're a team that has the big home road splits. And like you said, they've played so many games at home Look, we know that they're not going to play exactly great teams on the road. Northern Arizona is not any good. Portland State, not a great team, but they do have a very unique um, system, you know, pressing constantly crashing the offensive boards and Portland State's won their last few games. I think those Portland State games could be really good ones to look to go against Southern Utah. All right. So what's a negative regression candidate for you here? So for me, Oregon State on defense, Oregon State's three-point defense was 314th and 265th in the nation the last two years. This year, they're 30th. So, um, you know, which one sounds like the outlier to you? I mean, this is a very – this is not a very good defense, and their opponents get to the line constantly. So if they start making threes against Oregon State, what's Oregon State going to do? I think Oregon State has had some good fortune – I think you could make an argument, and we won't get too deep into this here because we have a lot to cover, but you can make an argument that three-point defense is somewhat luck-related. I mean, it's more luck-related than it is, you know, the close twos or near the hoop because, you know, you don't have shot blocker out there all the time at three-point range, and sometimes the other team's just really cold. So I think that you can see three-point defenses switch back and forth from year to year, but Oregon State has shown before that they were bad at defending the three-point line, and now they're 30th all at once. I think regression is probably coming here, and I think Oregon State is a team that I'd look to go against before i back.
0: Well, I like this one. I like that one quite a bit, especially because, I mean, that's a massive, massive outlier to be yeah. 30th this year after being in the bottom 52 years ago and the bottom 100 last year. So, yeah, that does seem, I mean, look, maybe they're selling out to defend the three. I don't know, but still, they probably wouldn't improve that much if it's something where they haven't been able to stretch the defense a whole lot in recent years. So, to recap here, positive regression team looking at the San Francisco Dons, possibly a play on them Thursday night against BYU, also Saturday against Pacific. You're looking for Siena's offense to get a bit stronger so maybe some overs for the saints or possibly backing them in their next couple of maac games on the negative side we're fading southern utah here with a three-point percentage that uh, is not very good and a three-point rate that is very high as they head out on the road then also a negative regression team oregon state's three-point defense so we're looking at those two things there we'll break up the fade and follow segment with something about coaches but let's start with a fade team here and for me I'm fading Chattanooga down in the SOCON. They play Mercer on Wednesday, VMI on Saturday, although I did see VMI and Furman was canceled for today. So I don't know if that's an issue for VMI or for Furman, but Chattanooga at least expected to play Mercer here on Wednesday. The Mocks are 10 and 4 in games decided by six or fewer points. In the conference, they're first in free throw percentage, second in turnover percentage on offense but they're 10th in offensive rebounding and 10th in two-point percentage offense. They've taken more threes than twos here lately, so that's kind of a high-variance offensive style. The mocks are a good team, but they've gotten very fortunate here, I think, in some of their close games.
1: I think the the game was canceled because of VMI for tonight, so yeah. we'll we'll see what happens with the schedule there. But I think Chattanooga is a team that, you know, if, if you look at Chattanooga, I think they've probably been... Uh, the big bit about as good as they could be. I mean, you know, this is a pretty well coached team, but is Chattanooga really this good? You know, like you said, they're 10 and four and those close games. Um, I don't think Chattanooga is this good. The question is, you know, as everybody else in the conference, a little bit weaker, I do think the SoCon is not as deep as it used to be. Uh, the top of the SoCon is still very good, but it seems like Chattanooga is kind of slotting in in that fourth or fifth spot because the bottom of the conference is weak now, you know, so, I don't know. Chattanooga is a team that I would rather go against than I'd I'd rather back. At the same time, um, I don't know if we're going to get great value on the number here. So uh, we'll see. This one's uh, pending for me.
0: I will say, I am looking forward to talking about the SoCon Conference Tournament, though.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the top of that conference, there's several teams that could win it.
0: All right. So uh, who are you looking to fade
1: right now? So I'm looking to fade uh, here UT Martin or Tennessee Martin. I have to say, you know, damn it. I said I was going to fade this team earlier this year and I faded them in one game and then stopped because it was a heartbreaking loss. And then they were just great fade right after that. Uh, I think Martin has, has really been very lucky. And if you look at their record, you wouldn't know that because they've been bad enough, but they're 18th in luck factor. According to Ken Palm, every luck factor you could possibly find says that they've been very lucky SIU, Edwardsville, and Eastern Illinois this week. The good thing about them playing two teams that are not really very good, you're not going to have to lay a lot of points to go against Martin here. And in at least one of these games, I have to fade Martin in this one, because Martin is not a good team at all. They've been blown out consistently. They've lost badly many, many times. I don't see why they would just circle the wagons and play really well in their last couple games.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good one too. And and you know, you always wonder about these teams late in the year as well. And Shit, some other angle I guess that we haven't really talked about yet, but I guess we could, is senior day is very very different this year. I mean, there are no fans really right. to honor, you know, the the guys that are exhausting their eligibility. You know, usually that's a pretty big talking point, an angle that some people love to follow or some people love to fade, but I mean, this year it's just shit their parents might not even be allowed to be at the game I mean it's it's just very different but you do wonder about some of these teams and their motivation levels late in the year and you know, also too, a, a team like UT Martin I mean they're resigned to their fate you know they're going to go to the conference tournament get beaten in the first round and that'll be that so you know how much fight is left in a team like that I think it's perfectly reasonable to question
1: yeah, I don't know why they would care here. And if it's, it would be easy to say, well, they'll get fired up for the, the conference tournament. But I don't know that they'll even get fired up for that, like you said, because they know they're that bad. So I think Martin could be a good fade here just the rest of the way. And like you said, with senior night, I don't really even know what to do with it now. You know, I've looked at that on a couple of certain occasions so far. And it's like, geez, I don't know who's going to be allowed to be there. And like you said, I mean, it's kind of sad if their parents aren't even allowed to be there and then, you know, that definitely changes the betting angle, but you know, things are very unique this year. And I guess just sticking with the follow and fade um, Tennessee Martin to me is a team that has been bad, but they're even worse than what they have been. So let's look to fade them.
0: All right. So maybe some other teams that we might want to fade here last week on the show, we talked about the best coaches against the spread from game 18 on shame on me I didn't get Dana Altman on the first try even though I absolutely should have who are some of the worst ATS coaches late in the year you want me to have you guess you
1: want me to just list them
0: uh I'll try to guess a couple
1: okay I'm gonna give you a couple hints here so one's a big 12 coach what do you think the big 12 coach could be big 12 coach
0: uh I, we're talking about pretty significant sample sizes again here right
1: again yes it's it's coaches who have been around for a long time
0: okay I, for some reason i feel like lon Kruger might might be on that list
1: it's jamie dixon
0: oh, jamie dixon uh, 63 CCU and, and pit yep
1: yeah 63 and 85 ats um roi would be negative 16 percent. so if you just bet 100 bucks on every game of his, you'd be down $2,400. So that has not been good at all, certainly. I will say that the very bottom of this list, most of the guys have been fired. So, you know, you have to go up the list a little <laughs> bit because, you know, you see Joe Calero, 33 and 59. He's not at Cal Poly anymore. Uh, Brad Hughes was 21 and 47 at Montana State. That was burning money. And then the other one that stands out, he, he didn't get fired. He just went to the NBA, Billy Donovan. 31 and 56, which that one kind of surprised me. So, um, but as far as the other ones, there's one from the Mac, um, a coach that's been around for a good while also from the Mac. No
0: oh, man. Who would that be?
1: It is Keno Davis 41 okay. and 64. Um, so he hasn't lost quite as much money as, as some of the others because it's not quite as big a sample size, but the ROI is negative 23.4%. So central Michigan, The biggest thing about them is they usually don't schedule anybody good in the non-conference. Then they get later in the season and they struggle. So I think that's probably one of the biggest reasons for them. And then I'll I'll list through a couple of the others here. Darren Horn, twenty nine and forty six ATS. Smaller sample size, but he's been very bad. He's in Omaha now, right? um, Darren Horn is
0: Northern Kentucky.
1: Is Northern Kentucky? So he's the one of them that we are just talking about, to be fair, they've been playing pretty well at the end of the season. So maybe he's turning it around because this year it's been good to bet on them at the end of the season. But Tubby Smith, 61 and 79 ATS, is kind of interesting. Mick Cronin, 60 and 80 ATS. And then an SEC coach, Frank Martin, 52 and 72 ATS. So we have several teams there who um, I would be careful betting on those teams here at the end of the season because these coaches have kind of proven that they're not very good this time of the season. So um, I, I do want to say that one that was really close to making the cut and he burnt me quite a bit the other day uh, Rick Barnes. So, uh, we have to give a, a Rick Barnes, you know, bash Rick Barnes at some point here because Tennessee again, looked like they could be pretty good this year. And then we see how they've been playing lately. He's 73 and 88 ATS at the end of the year.
0: Yeah. That, that feels like one of the primary reasons why we started piling on Rick Barnes was that, and, you know, he, he, he did okay in the regular season. And then, you know, conference tournaments were ugly late in the year was ugly. Yeah. I think that's why he got on the shit list here from our podcast. Yep, yep, and I think he still deserves to be on it. So we'll, we'll just we'll just keep going with that. <laughs> All right. So that was the glass half empty. There, taking a look at fading Chattanooga, maybe on Wednesday against Mercer, uh, fade of UT Martin for you, and hopefully you follow through on this one and it it winds up cashing for you. Let's fill the glass up halfway though. I'm going to start with a follow team, and in fact, they actually play tonight, and this is a game I do like this evening. Air Force. They actually play New Mexico on Monday and Wednesday here. Uh, We'll see if they get those games in against Colorado State that are scheduled for Saturday and Monday. Air Force is a horrific defensive team. I mean, they are very bad in their own half court. However, they're at 54.6% with their effective field goal percentage in league play, 56.2% from two-point range. New Mexico's not very good. Colorado State's been on a COVID pause, as you mentioned. Air Force is not good defensively, but I think they're good enough offensively here Particularly against the New Mexico team that sucks at basically everything, then I think Air Force is a good back tonight and maybe a good back on Wednesday too.
1: You know, um, I think that could be the case, and I will say that Air Force is a really tough team to bet totals on this year because a lot of what I do has to do with tempo and predicting the pace of the game, but efficiencies are clearly important as well. And Air Force's defense is terrible, and like you said, their offense isn't really very good. So you get these totals of one twenty six and. A lot of the numbers that I look at always suggest I want to take the under, but it's hard to take the under at such a low number, even if there's only going to be 60 possessions, because consistently they've proven that they go over that because their defense is so bad and their offense is pretty decent. So I think they're a tough team to to bet totals on, but I agree with you. And I will say that New Mexico is a team that, you kind of wonder, what does New Mexico have to play for the rest of the season? I mean, New Mexico has really um, had a really tough season. They've had to travel all over the place, can't play games at home. I don't know that New Mexico would be very excited here the rest of the way either. No, New Mexico, 343rd in the nation in effective field goal
0: percentage offense. So, you know, I don't think they take full advantage of that bad Air Force defense. So I do like that one tonight. We'll see what happens in tonight's game. And of course, see if we can apply that.
1: To Wednesday as well. Who are you looking to follow here? George Washington. I wish I could have said this before yesterday, right? Um yeah, George right. Washington. Uh Jamison Battle's back. And we did talk about when he was injured. When he comes back, I think this could be a, a team to back. So um Jamison Battle is, is back in the lineup. James Bishop, a really good player. They have two very talented players on this team. Every luck factor rating you could look at has them as very unlucky so far this year. They'll be catching points twice this coming week. I think George Washington could be a good team to follow here the rest of the way.
0: And maybe there's a chance we talk about GW for the A10 tournament.
1: Oh, yeah. I don't know. I mean, to win the tournament, I don't know about that. Maybe it's a money line rollover for a couple games. They've only played six conference games. Wow. I mean, that's just,
0: that's unheard of here uh, this deep into the season. And obviously, we'll see what the A10 decides to do with seating for their conference tournament because. Some teams have played six conference games, some have played 12, some have played 15. They're kind of all over the place as far as their records go. So that'll be another thing to follow along with here as we go forward. Got some games to key in on for this week here. And we'll start on Tuesday night with a game that I'm looking at. And again, we'll throw out the the disclaimer here that hopefully these games get played. I think last week we had another game or two canceled on us. So hopefully these wind up actually going off here. But St. John's and Villanova I think is kind of interesting because St. John's had a really bad performance over the weekend against DePaul. Maybe a little bit of a look-ahead spot here to playing Villanova because the Johnnies had actually been playing pretty well, at least offensively, over the last little while. But defensively, they're not very good. Villanova, a good offensive team. I was kind of looking at this
1: as maybe an over game. Yeah, I mean, Villanova was upset the first time they played, 70-59. to Villanova couldn't shoot the ball in that first game, which is surprising. They were 8-for-30 from three-point range, 0.86 points per possession. I don't think that happens again. I think Villanova scores a lot in this game. This is a Villanova offense that never turns it over usually. And that's what St. John's really wants to force you to do. Villanova's first in the country in turnover percentage on offense. I think Nova scores a lot of points in this game. Two leans I have for this game are Villanova minus the points and the over. Pace war here, too. So,
0: you know, I kind of wonder about that. You know, do you think that that Villanova will? I mean, look, Villanova hasn't played a game to 70 possessions since uh, December 19th. And of course, they did have an extended COVID pause of their own. That first game against St. John's was 69 possessions. Uh, What you know, what do you think about the pace for this game?
1: I think that's about what the pace would be in this game. At you know you get up to seventy one, seventy two possessions. Nova's only had one game above seventy all year, and that was against the Arizona State on a neutral. That was mainly mainly because of fouling at the end of the game. So, Villanova is really consistent in what they play the pace at. However that doesn't mean that this game couldn't go over the total because Nova can be very efficient on offense, averaging 1.218 points per possession. They scored 96 on Marquette in a game with 64 possessions. So they're certainly very capable of putting up a big number. Um, I, I do like Villanova here to get some ATS revenge in this one. I assume this line will be at least 11, right? Maybe a little bit higher.
0: Yeah, I would think so. And, and, you know, again, like you said, looking at Villanova there, you know, a team that's going to take on a bad St. John's defensive team to where, you know, I I do think there are some reasons to like Villanova here, uh, as well as possibly taking a look at the over in that one Wednesday, you're looking at a game in the big 10, looking at this matchup here between Indiana and Rutgers.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'll just ask you from the top. I mean, who do you think needs this game more? Because I haven't really followed the bracketology stuff, you know, I'm too busy trying to look at betting things. That I, I don't watch the bracketology and who's in and who's out that much until the very last week. But both of these teams, I feel like, need this game pretty bad, right? Yeah, I would say so for sure. I mean, seven and eight in the Big Ten for Indiana, eight and nine in the Big Ten for Rutgers. I assume Indiana probably needs this game slightly more than Rutgers does. Rutgers has some really nice wins. They beat Illinois. Uh, they beat Purdue. I know Indiana beat. Iowa so that's a really nice win that was it at, at Iowa so um, they beat Iowa twice the, the one on the road was a really big win so I, I don't know what to think of of Indiana at this point right because it feels like Indiana's on the bubble pretty consistently year after year um, I don't know Archie Miller hasn't been quite as good here at Indiana as most people would have thought however we do have to at least be fair and say the Big Ten is really good I mean this is a really good conference very deep Both of these teams are pretty deserving in my book. It's just that, you know, if they keep losing games and they get two or three games below 500, they have to be getting a little bit worried here. I think the under is the way I'd look at this game. That's why I want to talk about this game. I think this game is so important to both teams and they know that, that I don't think we see a very quick tempo. Rutgers is far better on defense than they are on offense. No doubt about that. Indiana, has been pretty inconsistent on offense. They can go through some long scoring droughts, and they're very reliant on getting to the free throw line. Rutgers is not a team that really fouls all that much. So I think this sets up as maybe an under game. And when we get late in the season, these games that mean a lot in the end of the regular season, the under has done well in those in the long run. Yeah, I think that's
0: an excellent point. You know, the more important a game becomes – the less, you know, the more reluctance there is to making mistakes. So you get, you know, longer possessions, looking for better shots, all those kinds of things. It's a very good point to make here late in the season, as some of these games will definitely have additional impact. And in particular for the bubble teams, you know, you're going to wind up paying a premium in some of those games where teams are said to be on the bubble, where the total probably won't adjust at all, even though it's going to be, you know, a a different kind of environment. So I, I agree with you. I think you're definitely onto something there with taking a look at the under. How about this game on Wednesday night between Stephen F. Austin and Northwestern State? And I mentioned this earlier on in the show here. Stephen F. Austin asked for and got approval for their postseason ban to be moved to this year. So Stephen F. Austin will not play in the conference tournament, will not play in the NCAA tournament. They've got five games left of the regular season here, but this is the first game off of the announcement that they will not play in the postseason they will be a big favorite against Northwestern state, but you know, how motivated and engaged do you think the lumberjacks will be?
1: Yeah. When, when you put this one on the list of games to talk about, I knew why you put it on there, but I don't know what to do betting this game. I mean, you know, I can't lay the points with Stephen F Austin coming off that at the same time, they're so much better than Northwestern state. I don't want to grab seven points either. So uh, this is a tough game for me. I think, we might find out a lot about Stephen F. Austin from this game, right? I mean, sometimes we talk about these games where if you don't want to bet this game, but you want to find out something about betting the next couple games, if Stephen F. Austin comes out and just blows out Northwestern State, do we assume that they still care and they're going to blow out Lamar and Central Arkansas? I think I would lean that way, but in this game, I can't make a bet.
0: Yeah, I think it's really tough. I think it's hard to know exactly what the mindset of this team is going to be. And this is a team that, you know, would probably have been favored, I think, to win this conference tournament, although Abilene Christian's got a pretty nice resume themselves. But it's still, again, you know, you try to put yourself in the mindset of these college-aged athletes here late in the year, and I think it can be kind of a difficult thing to pinpoint. You've got three games here for Thursday, so we'll hit on a couple of yours, go to mine, and then go back to yours here. Thursday, you're looking at Boise State and San Diego State, of course, two teams from the Mountain West Conference, and Boise State is a team that we've mentioned a few times here on the show. I know I have specifically where they played pretty much all of the weak teams in the Mountain West, and now their schedule's gotten a little bit better.
1: Yeah, I think Boise's done pretty well when they stepped up in class. You know, to win both games at home against Utah State was impressive. They did lose both those games at Nevada and lost one at Colorado State. So, You were right in your point that they were going to struggle when they got into the tougher games, but they've kind of bounced back, especially at home. So now they go on the road and face San Diego State for this Thursday, Saturday, back-to-back. You know, I think this is a really interesting game because San Diego State has a little bit been flying under the radar. And this is a team that last year, obviously, they were so good, they were 30-2. and San Diego State's 17-4 and this year. Mitchell's been hurt a decent amount this season, and yet this team has been very good. San Diego State is better on offense than I thought they would be. They're number one in the league in offensive efficiency. That surprises me quite a bit. Um, Boise is playing the fastest of anybody as far as their average possession length. So I wanted to talk about this game because I think it's going to be a very good game and also kind of a cautionary note that, you know, um, I think Boise is a difficult team to take an under with now because their offense has been better. San Diego State's usually a good under team, and this is a big game at the end of the year. I think both of these teams have kind of surprised me. You know, I've gotten burned by a couple unders on Boise State this year, and San Diego State on offense is so much better than I thought. So I would lean towards San Diego State in this game, and this is one where I would a bit shy away from the under.
0: Yeah, like I said, you know, Boise State's been a team that I've kind of followed along throughout conference play, wondering how they would do, you know, sort of stepping up in class here a little bit. And, you know, they played very well in that home, uh, home, in, or the home back to back with an off day against Utah State. Now they go on the road, San Diego State. And I think this is a really important one, too, because, you know, it seems like they've got a great shot here at being an at-large. They don't have to win the Mountain West Conference Tournament. These are two games that are very important for them from a conference tournament seeding standpoint and quite possibly from an NCAA tournament seeding standpoint, too. So you you, you wonder how Boise State reacts to an environment like that. Another game that you're looking at here from the AAC – Houston in action here this week against Western Kentucky, a random non-conference game put together, I believe because of COVID issues uh you know with Western Kentucky's opponents.
1: Yeah, I wanted to talk about this one briefly just because it's such a weird spot here late in the season. I think Western Kentucky probably wanted this game because they're trying to build up a resume. That's my guess here because I think Western Kentucky has more to gain from this than, than does Houston. I mean, Houston's obviously in, we know they're going to make it in the tournament and going to be a high seeded team no matter what. So I'm a little bit surprised Houston wanted to play this game, but Western Kentucky, a very good team uh, from conference USA. They haven't played in a while. haven't played since February 13th. They go on the road um, Bassie's a really tough guard. You know, I mean, he's a tough big man, tough to guard is what I'm trying to say. 6'11, 235. It's hard for anybody to guard him very well. And Houston, you know, they're a really good defensive team, but the one problem they have is they foul too much. And Western Kentucky is 79% from the free throw line, 80.6% in the conference. So, if they get to the line a lot here, I could see this game being closer than some people would think I see Ken Palm has this one at 14 I'm a bit surprised it's so high here so uh, we'll see what the line actually comes out at but I would lean Western Kentucky in this game I think they have a lot to gain from a game like this
0: yeah I think so too you know I, I sort of look at this one from a Western Kentucky standpoint and you know they scheduled this game for a reason I I don't I can't imagine that like Houston went to the players and was like, Hey, you know, what do you guys think about playing this where they're right in the heart of conference play? You know, they, they've got other priorities, other stuff going on to where are they fully focused in this one? I don't know the answer to that question, but I certainly feel like Western Kentucky, you know, you got that anticipation of not having played in a while. You've got the chance of, you know, hoping that you can you know kind of build up, as you mentioned, kind of your portfolio, sort of your platform. I think it is a very interesting spot to say the least and one where I do think Western Kentucky uh, is the one that kind of makes the most sense there game for me on Thursday night that I was taking a look at, and you know, this is an interesting one because you've got West Virginia and Baylor and West Virginia has been playing very well here of late. Baylor's certainly been one of the most consistent teams over the entire course of the season here, not great spots for either one of these two teams, on Tuesday night with West Virginia at TCU. We mentioned Jamie Dixon, though, not a good coach at this time of the year. Baylor is going to be laying a big price against Iowa State. But what about this game with these two teams going head-to-head and what will be a tough physical type of game?
1: Yeah, I I don't know what to do with this game, but I think it's a fascinating game. I think I would lean toward West Virginia getting the points. Baylor's a really good team, but they've been on a long COVID pause. They're going to have one game against Iowa State who is really bad. I mean, let's, let's face it. Iowa state is really weak and then they play against West Virginia. I feel like that's a really big jump in competition level after they haven't even been able to practice a lot of that time where West Virginia has just played at Iowa state, then home against Kansas at Texas tech. They, they lost that game in overtime to Oklahoma and then the huge comeback and win against Texas there the other day. I think West Virginia comes into this probably in a better spot I see Ken Palm has this one at 12. If it's 12, I certainly lean to West Virginia. I don't know that the number will be quite that big because of the spot though.
0: Yeah. It's, 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 it's a really interesting one too, because you know, you sort of look at this Baylor team and you look at the body of work here and they really haven't been tested a whole lot. You know, they were tested in that game against Texas tech back in mid January, Texas tech is, you know, really falling off the pace. You kind of want to see Baylor get into a dogfight. You kind of want to see Baylor play one of those really tough games, whether it's here against West Virginia or what I think they play Kansas coming up here on Saturday. You really want to see Baylor get into one of those games. I think it's it's almost one of those things where, like, you know, for Gonzaga, you hope that St. Mary's gives them a test in the conference tournament. You know, you hope that BYU gives them a test, something like that. I think for Baylor. You know, I mean, obviously you don't want to run the risk of losing, you know, and and run the risk of losing your undefeated record or anything like that. But I think going into March, going into this time of the year, I think it's really important to, you know, have one of those close games, one of those things where you've got to play the whole thing out.
1: I agree. And that's what concerns me about Gonzaga is that I don't know that anybody can give them that game in their uh, conference Baylor, they do have some teams that can give them that game. So I think that gives them an advantage when they go into the big dance. And I agree with you. I think that it'd be nice for them to play a tight game, even if it's tight and they can pull away at the end. Um, You know, to be in that spot would be helpful, especially coming off that long of a pause.
0: One more game to take a look at here. And this is one that you sent over. And, uh, you know, I think that there's always a lot of good reasons when you send over (laughs) these games. St. Francis, New York and Merrimack. Not really two household names, certainly not a couple of teams that people are going to be talking about a lot out there, but what is it about this game specifically that you're taking a look at here from the Northeastern conference?
1: Yeah. So I don't think you're going to hear much of anything about this game from anybody else. And I, we always like that, you know, I like talking about these games that are way under the radar. The thing that I like about this game is St. Francis has had so many high scoring games in a row here. And I've actually actually had some overs of theirs here recently and done well with them, but I like the under in this game. The reason I like the under is Merrimack is the team in this conference that is most consistent at keeping a game low scoring. Look who Merrimack just played. They just played Central Connecticut, who tries to play extremely fast, and they're not very good. They got to 108 and 124 points in those two games. Then they played Bryant. Bryant is fourth in the country in tempo, and their two games against Bryant were 60-58 to 58 and 76-60. to 60. The possessions, 67 and 65. Now, Ken Palm has this one projected at 69 possessions. I will project the tempo lower than that. I think Merrimack is very good at playing that zone defense, slow you down. At the beginning of this year, Merrimack kind of flirted with playing a little bit faster, lost some games at the beginning of the season. And now you can consistently see that recent tempo trends, they're slowing down. They're going back to what they were last year. I like that a lot because if people are just looking at the overall season, they're going to project this game higher than what if you just looked at the last five or six games. And one of the things that I've had success with over the years is looking at recent trends in tempo, to try to see how a team is changing. I think Merrimack is consistently playing slower here. Now, if the teams shoot really well, then it could go over the total. Uh, Ken Palm has this one at 140. I don't know if we'll see 140. If we see 140, I'm going to be betting the under. Definitely. I think that's too high. But, you know, we probably see upper 130s or something like that. I like the under in this game. I think Merrimack has proven enough times now really consistently low scoring. And on the other end, St. Francis, they've had so many really high scoring games recently that we can go against the recent trends for them because they played fairly Dickinson and Sacred Heart, two teams who don't play any defense and who like to play fast. So now they're playing somebody that's completely different. Merrimack is usually good at controlling the tempo. So I like the under here.
0: A lot of good thoughts across the college basketball landscape on today's edition of ATS Radio with Kyle Hunter, professional better and handicapper over at huntersportspicks.com. And what's a good word over there right now, man?
1: So go over to HunterSportsFix.com. You can sign up for the free picks newsletter if you haven't already. Uh, Send out some free picks here coming up in the next couple weeks. Also, uh, premium packages are going to be discounted starting today. I'm going to put up a March Madness Pass here later this week that will be uh, all games from now through the end of March Madness. And it'll basically be a bonus time. You know, you're going to pay what the March Madness price would be and get all of conference tournaments and everything along with it. So uh, things have heated up a little bit here of late, and I hope that continues, 12 and 5 in the last 17. Um, We've always said that, you know, what I am in most recent uh, times doesn't really matter too much. You know, it matters more what I've done in the long run. Long run, I've done really well. This season's been tough for me. Hopefully, uh, the positive trends can continue. But um, you can check everything out over at um, Hunter Pick, uh, huntersportspicks.com. Easy for me to say. And also, at KyleHunterPicks on Twitter, if you don't already follow me there.
0: No, definitely a lot of great information. And like I said, I'm glad that you've had some of that positive aggression that you've been able to uh, to bank some winners here. And hopefully, you've finished strong uh, over the course of the rest of this regular season and of course on into conference tournaments as well which we will talk about a lot on next monday's show kyle appreciate the time as always man thank you so much and we'll talk to you again next week
1: all right thanks man take care
0: there you go there's professional better and handicapper kyle hunter from huntersportspicks.com at kyle hunter picks on twitter coming up on our tuesday edition of the show we'll chat golf hockey nascar with brian blessing the host of sportsbook radio and vegas hockey hotline That'll do it for me. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And I will talk to you again tomorrow.